0: West. We're here at the Salish Kootenai College, located on the Flathead Indian Reservation, which is part of the Confederated Salish and Kootenai tribes of Pablo, Montana.
1: And we're going to be talking to Dr. Tim Olson and his students about Nwist Kwai, qu- or BisonSat, which is one of four CubeSats flying on Ilana 12. And you had a chance to sit down with Tim and talk more about BisonSat.
0: Yes, yeah, check it out.
2: BisonSat's our CubeSat project that we've been working on for about the last four years. It's a small satellite that our our students and faculty designed and built, tested, and have gotten ready for flight. And the flight's coming up shortly here in September. And what do you hope to achieve with the the satellite? Well, our mission is really primarily educational. The idea has been to give students an opportunity to work hands-on in designing it, building it, the process all the way through from the conceptual stage at the beginning to all the way into flight and flight operations. You know, Tim, we've covered a lot of colleges over the past several years, but this is our first tribal college. Can you share some of those experiences? So there's about three dozen colleges around the country that are classified as tribal colleges. And what that means is the student body is primarily Native American students. So in our case here at Salish Kootenai College, it's the Confederated Salish and Kootenai Tribes on the Flathead reservation here that chartered the college back in the 1970s. Okay. The idea was to provide local opportunities here for higher education on the reservation that students wouldn't necessarily have to go off away from their families and and their home to get their college education. So how'd you even get into the CubeSat business? Well, I I do have a bit of a space research background and was looking for an opportunity to get students involved as as much as possible. And we've tried a couple of other flight missions that we've had students involved with proceeding the CubeSat project that worked well. We did a high altitude student platform launch, a HASS program, that's NASA balloon office program that's run through Louisiana State University. And another project is the Mars Science Lab rover mission, Curiosity. Okay, okay. That I'm a science colli on on three of the science cameras. And I've had students that have helped me with science analysis and camera operations. So we generally like to get hands-on opportunities for students to really do science, really do engineering while they're an undergraduate student. So Tim,
0: it sounds like uh, from your previous NASA missions that you're you're a camera expert.
2: Well, that's been been the focus for BisonSat for our science payload. We had developed a camera system that we flew as a prototype on that high altitude balloon launch, and we've adapted that for the CubeSat footprint to be able to fit inside the small CubeSat. And it basically consists of a digital camera detector chip, very similar to what you have in cell phones and other types of consumer cameras. We used that computer chip, designed our own circuit board here to mount that on, learned how to interface with that uh, detector chip to command it to take the pictures the way we want it to take the pictures and get the data off.
0: What's it mean to SKC? It's gonna be the first tribal college to launch a CubeSat in this space, which is pretty
2: historic. Yeah, I think I've been uh, a little surprised how much impact that really has had. I mean, I I knew it would have a big impact on the students that were involved. But just the campus community, the Flathead reservation community, I mean, this has been a big story in our area, and people here are really proud of what the students have accomplished and what the college has accomplished. And I think we're going to have a big party on the day of the, the launch <laughs> uh, you know, to celebrate what the Bison team has accomplished. Well,
0: I, I think it, it, you, you guys are doing a great job because I mean, if you look at some of these big universities that have 30, 40, 50,000 students, and you have about 850 or so?
2: Yeah, we've, we've been last several years sort of in the range of 800 to 900 students is about where we've been yeah.
0: You know when you look at the the level playing field it's not really level because a lot of these big schools have a lot of resources
2: but you guys and and, and it's. But you know being a small college for our students and I often have this conversation with our engineering students in particular there's certainly advantages of getting an engineering education at a large university but what we can offer being a small college is they certainly get the one-on-one attention here. You know, right. We have very small classes and you know, students will not fall through the cracks here and, and being small we can get them involved in these hands-on design right. projects that are logistically harder for larger universities to offer. You can't trade off that one-on-one
0: experience with the mentor or a professor or you know, getting you know, five or six students who are, are working together
2: as a close group like that. I mean, It's, it's invaluable. Yeah, I, I agree 100%.
0: Well, Tim, hey, hey. good luck with BisonSat. We look forward to uh, hearing the first signals back and looking at some of the first uh, pictures that right. are delivered. All right, thank you.
1: Chris, that was a great interview with Tim. But I have to be honest with you, I did not realize that SKC is going to be the
0: first tribal college to launch a CubeSat. Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Very impressive. You had a chance to sit down with three of the student team members to learn more about the project. Very impressive bunch of kids.
1: So Ryan, I understand that one of the first responsibilities you had when you started working on Sat was developing solar panels. Tell me a little bit about that experience.
3: Uh, well, the job was to create solar panels for uh, the CubeSat, and we decided to go with two in-house made panels and four ClydeSpace panels, which were commercially available at the time. What we did was we used TAS cells, which are triangular advanced solar cells, which are very small and triangular. The design was to pack as many as we could onto the panels, that was the first goal. The second goal was to have the highest power output and in the end it was actually very comparable to the commercially available ones in terms of power output per area. So we were very proud of that. The solar powers that you designed are on the
1: satellite now, ready to be launched. So,
3: And being able to design the panels I was able to add my own little personal touch to them. On the top panel I decided to put the names of all the team members, uh, staff and students, both current and past. And uh, so we'll all have our names in space. Now,
1: now did the Professor Olson know about this? Yes. Was, and it was approved?
3: It was approved. Uh, it had to go through quite a few uh, different chains of command, but it was approved.
1: Noel, I know that you worked primarily with the science behind BisonSat, but I also know that you worked with uh, the lens mount, I think. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. So tell me about what were you doing with the lens mount? And why would they let a scientist work (laughs) on something as vital as the lens mount?
4: So they wanted a science student to be engaged in the development of the payload system itself. Tim Olson, my mentor, had always told me that if you are not familiar with the capabilities of your instrument or how your instrument is built, then you wouldn't be able to utilize it for your scientific research. So we were actually designing our own lens mount for the camera lens, and so that took a lot of mathematics and engineering.
1: It seems like this would be pretty standard, but you're putting it on a spacecraft, so there have to be unique challenges for that. The
4: most interesting thing is is when you put the lens mount on the CubeSat, you actually have to have specific types of screws that were only available 120 miles away at one point because we didn't have extras. We went through three different lens mounts because we had switched the lens size from 25 millimeter to 35 back to 25, vice versa. We actually settled on a 35 millimeter lens, which then we had to build a lens mount for that.
1: Was that a, a science decision or was that a design decision?
4: Uh, it was both. So I had to compromise at one point with a 25, and then they went with the 35. So, for a science end of things, that gives me much larger.
1: Yeah, that's good for you, yeah. There. So you won that battle.
4: At some point in time, yeah.
1: <laughs> Zach, you've spent a lot of time working on BisonSAT and I understand that during this time you worked on a lot of different jobs. Tell me about the different things you did.
5: When I first started out it was uh, a lot of research and understanding what a set was and exactly what came along with the things that what we were trying to create here. Most of the planning of what it was going to be was done by the, the senior graduates before me, but when I hopped on, I just kind of dove in and went where they needed me. Worked on the moment of inertia calculations with other students and worked on solar cells and thermal testing in the back. So I just kind of jumped in around and did what I could where I could. You kind of became a Zack of
1: all trades. Yeah. Awesome. Tell me a little bit about this moment of inertia calculation you did. What, what is that about?
5: uh the particular way we did it is we had the cube satellite uh, sit on a disc and we put the what we believed would be the center axis of mass along just the center of the plate and we spun the plate and let the plate swing and if there was any wobbles or just basically the plate moving rather than just spinning we knew that there was an incongruency in the weight distribution amongst this cube satellite which is pretty important because they told us that if we didn't have it right it could destroy other Cube satellites inside of the P-POD launcher.
1: Well that's a great point because that's one of those instances where you're meeting the requirements of the launch services provider for the good of the whole uh, mission so what was that experience like?
5: It was intense on the learning. Before, when I first started, it was kind of like, you didn't know where the knowledge cap ended. Like, you were just like, all right, what, what do I gotta learn next? What do I gotta learn next? And so getting to the end of it, you kind of, you're able to put that lid on the box. And so you're like, oh, now I understand this subject. You know, where I'm so excited for the SKC students and Dr. Tim
0: Olson. They're gonna be launching their first CubeSat in the space. And I'm really excited to see them become part of this growing, thriving CubeSat community. Don't forget, BisonSat is one of four CubeSats that's part of the ALANA-12 mission.
1: The National Reconnaissance Office was very gracious to provide flights for these CubeSats. We're talking FOX-1, 1, ARC-1, 1, LMRST Sat, and of course, BisonSat.
0: And if you want to learn more about the ALANA-12 mission, visit nasa.gov. You're watching NASA Ed, An inside and outside look at all things NASA.